Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Church of Roy, an armchair all-American podcast. Warning, today's show may include adult language. Now here are your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve DeWalt. Welcome everybody to the playoffs edition of the Church of Roy podcast. We're back. We're a little beaten down after game two, but we're here. I'm your host, Steve DeWald, as always, associate editor of Blazer's Edge. And I am joined by Brian Wilcox, who had the unfortunate opportunity of catching game two in person in denver last night how you doing brian you know i'm a little a little beat up today uh game went a little south so i started tipping back a little bit to take the edge off but you know it was fun watching dame go off and we'll get into it so i'm, I'm happy to be talking to you again man yeah so before i don't want to be like the typical fan fan who and not that there's anything wrong with that i think riding the wave of emotions is perfectly normal in fanhood but i think it's important to to see how we got here there was definitely a game one that had a different vibe and a game two that had a different vibe um game one everything kind of breaks the blazers way as far as the offense looks gorgeous everything kind of goes according to plan as far as yes nikola Jokic goes off but nobody else really does for Denver. Nobody really finds their rhythm, especially from distance. Michael Porter Jr. had a decent night, but not from beyond the arc. Um, Really, and the Blazers, you know, run away with a win where Norman Powell doesn't really have a great game. You you don't have everybody clicking, but you still, you know, have a have this great outcome. And then, you know, a couple days roll around, and you kind of felt it instantly in that matchup like it was 17-7 pretty quick the nuggets came out with a lot of a different like a, a very different feel so so why don't you take me there brian at what point did you realize in game two that you the blazers might be in a little bit of trouble tonight yeah it was early um it just really felt like the nuggets came out with a whole different level of urgency you know they really did need that game more than portland when you look at the grand scheme of things when you you know zoom up, Portland got down there, got a win, got home court, so it's not all bad. There are some things in that second game that were concerning, but literally, I mean, those first couple minutes, you could see the difference. And I think that um, 
as aggressive and physical as as Denver was playing, their size advantage really stuck out mm. to me. I mean, it was immediately clear that they had a physical advantage in nearly every position, and guys were cutting across the lane. They're getting bumped. You know, mm-hmm. Denver was fighting over screens. I mean, what really stuck out to me early was just the physical mismatch that I was watching unfold early. Yeah, yeah, and there there's some subtle differences that I picked up on real quick. And first I want to just talk on attitude. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like to project and think that I know what players are thinking when they go into the game, but just from my years of watching playoff basketball and watching a team steal home court early in a series, the Blazers really felt like a team that was very satisfied with leaving Denver with just one win. And I think they, they might've rode that high in the first game and then kind of let their guard down. And like you said, Denver, you can't go back to Portland down Jamal Murray in an 0-2 hole and expect to have have success in this round. Sports, culture, takes, Take Line has it all. Take Line is a weekly podcast hosted by Emmy winner Jason Concepcion and former WNBA champ Renee Montgomery. That's a fast-paced exploration of the NBA and the world of sports and culture. Each week, Jason and Renee talk about the games, players, controversies, and issues that run on and off the court. This is a great listen. Right now, go follow them on Take Line every Tuesday where you get your pod. Hey guys, this is Producer Perry, and I want to talk to you about an awesome app that we've been using here on the Church of Roy called Locker Room. It is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. You can talk to me, you can talk to Steve, Brian, lots of other insiders and athletes, including Andre Iguodala and Bam Adebayo. It is free to use on all iOS devices, including your iPhone, your iPad, and all things like that. Guys, it's been a blast being able to talk to all of you and communicate uh, in just a different way, a different avenue to, to get our points and perspectives across. So all you have to do is go to your iOS app store and download the Locker Room app for free. Yeah, and you look at it in a vacuum and really, Portland came, they really did what they needed to do. Going down there and stealing one, we touched on how difficult it is to play at altitude in Denver. Um, quite a few fans there too. Um, I know on the TV, like I, you could see like behind the benches, those like the 10 rows behind the benches were pretty much cleared out, I think for viewing purposes, but the stadium was rocking. I mean, there were a lot of people there. They were loud. They're excited to be there. It was a tough, that second game, you know, I can't really speak to the first game. I wasn't there, but that second game really was like a wild playoff crowd. So the fact that they got one, I think, shouldn't be discounted either. Yeah, and it's kind of the perfect storm too, like especially going into game two where, you know, Nuggets fans and Brendan talked about this when he joined us last week. There's a healthy sports hate between these two franchises. I don't think it's toxic by any means. Then you sprinkle in a very successful – mellow game in that first one where you know there's headlines about the booze he received and some of that so that charges it up and then you always just have the powder keg uh, of Yusuf Nurkic playing in this series so it is a perfect storm to build that type of atmosphere I getting back to the physical matchup though I I think that was something that was underutilized in that first game obviously a very different result but we really saw Damian Lillard take the bait for, and it's hard to complain about a Damian Lillard performance where it's 42 points, but there was a distinct difference of when he was seeking contact and when he was seeking or, or looking for open space. And that's when you saw him supernova in that second quarter where it's like, okay, I'm not going to get a whistle here, so I'm just going to go off. 
and I'm going to get separation and I'm going to get to my three point shots and I can shoot from anywhere in this gym. And that's when it went off where we, where he struggled is where you're looking at that disjointed shooting motion. And he really just played into Composo's game. And then later Aaron Gordon, where he's looking for that contact. And when he's not, when he's not getting the whistle, he's certainly not in rhythm in those looks. So the whole offense kind of stagnates. And that, and that was just Lillard's problem. The offense on a whole stagnated on a level that was, you know, we're looking at mid-April level of off-ball movement. Is that what you were seeing as well as far as what was going on? Yeah, I think always our worst fear when it comes to Portland's offense is when they kind of revert back to that hero ball and they're not, they're not moving, they're not cutting. Um, it was a little frustrating to hear Stotts kind of mention, you know, oh, you know, thought Dame would see some different looks and Dame himself says, you, you know, they, I get large physical wing defenders on me all the time. Well, it's like, mm-hmm. where was the plan? If you guys knew, <laughs> if you guys knew it was coming, I mean, you start in the. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Second half, and you see Gordon out there, you would have expected to see a pretty quick adjustment, and I just don't really think we saw that. They still got, what, 109, I think they finished with, so it wasn't, mm. it wasn't terrible, but... Really, a lot of that was just Dame going supernova in the second. Yeah, the the offense was completely disjointed. And and really, that first quarter, Denver is getting to all their spots, hitting all their shots. And really, I thought Portland might have a window there when they pull within five at the end of the first. And they did the exact right thing. You see what veteran teams do is where they made the play dirty. And they, they kind of mucked it up. And they – you know, Yusuf Nurkic gets to that tussle with Michael Porter Jr. Something said, Nate Tibbetts books it down the sideline. I mean, it's it was wild. Like, I'm watching it going, oh, man, that's a lot of people off the bench. Are, are we going to be seeing suspensions? But I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think it got calmed down pretty quickly. But you, they, I thought they were doing the right thing there. They slowed things down. They, they made it ugly. But 
then they just continued to play ugly and never got into their game. And, and then you find yourself in this huge hole. I think the part that really broke, it broke for me was Lillard goes on this crazy stretch and then, you know, they're within four points. And then in a blink of an eye, you're heading into halftime in a, in a double digit, double digit deficit. Again, a lot of D's there, but, but they, they head into this halftime so far behind and it just is a totally different feel for that third quarter when all those whistles show up. Can you, I want, cause I've been in an arena where this happens, a, a visiting arena. What's it like when Lillard does get in that zone? Let, let's, I want to talk about that because that is one thing that is cool to witness when you, when you're outside of Portland at a game. Yeah. I mean, it was a rough game overall, but I was happy to be there obviously. And, and even just Dame second quarter made it worth the price of admission. Um, I mean, that second quarter was just like a holy shit type. You can kind of feel it coming on. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the church of Roy, but Denver got a little <laughs> holy water from Dame. <laughs> yep. I think it was like six minutes left. And I turned to the guy who's Nuggets fan I went with, and I was just like, hey, this is a really like pivotal moment. He, he's like, you guys need Dame time. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Dame just starts reeling them off, right? And the, the energy in the arena, like it seemed like every – Maybe not every call. I think the fishing was a little poor both ways, but mm-hmm. Portland definitely had some tough ones. Every loose ball just kind of seemed like every single thing was breaking Denver's way. The crowd was completely in it. Dame just starts going nuclear, and you just feel the wind kind of come out of the whole arena. You know, the sales, mm-hmm. every fan in there, and, and you know that nervous like kind of murmur you start mm-hmm. to get. As Blazer fans, I think we've been in the moto. <laughs> we've been, for the we've Rose been on, we've been on <laughs> that side a few times from Mr. Yeah, for, Ste- Steph Curry has done yeah. that to me a few times. We're familiar. We look at each other and go, oh, you know, and it was exactly that, right? You could, and you could just feel that tide shift. And then, you know, that last little bit, I was, I was really optimistic that Portland could kind of take that momentum into halftime and just sort of the night it was, I think. I can't remember the exact plays, but I know the one that culminated in to really get the crowd back in it was when Jokic stroked that three right before mm. halftime. And it was just yeah. like, damn. It just kind of felt, as a Portland fan, like just a wasted opportunity there to really cut it, you know, to single digits or within five or something and, and hit it at halftime with a little momentum. I, I think not only did the Jokic play break break their back a little bit, but the offensive sequence right before that, that's what killed me because I was like, if they get punished for how bad they manage that possession, it's going to really hurt. And of course it mm-hmm. did. And that possession was Lillard goes baseline defense collapses around him. We find CJ McCollum top of the arc. CJ probably should have taken that shot, but he does pass one more time finds mellow on the wing behind the arc. Nobody around him. He hesitates pump fakes mm-hmm. waits for a guy to close out on him. I think Monte Morris showed up out there. Yep. And then he kills like another three, four seconds and then takes a contested three-pointer and it and clangs off and then Jokic comes down and hits a three-pointer. And it's like, Jesus Christ, you get like, this is not what you can do here in yeah. this situation. Just as a general kind of observation, it felt like there were a few of those where mm-hmm. in a normal game, like I think Norm had a couple, I, could, I think you could probably name every perimeter shooter Portland has had one of those moments where it's like, why is that ball not in the air? You know, mm-hmm. it was a pump fake or just a slight hesitation. The NBA it's so quick that if you don't, yeah. if you're not ready to throw it up, you're going to miss your opportunity. It, it just felt like they weren't like ready to rock and fire. Like you'd usually see out of a 
Portland squad. Just from game one to game two, I mean, that was what was so lethal about the Blazers in that first game is you have both Carmelo Anthony and and Anthony Simons come in, no hesitation, high percentage looks, open shots, and they're all dropping. All three-pointers are dropping, and then it was just the complete opposite in game two. So as far as like a, a reason for optimism going forward, I'm not expecting a game one type performance, and I'm certainly not expecting a game two type performance. If they can split the difference there, you're looking at a totally different ball game. Mm-hmm. I do want to touch on the referees a little bit, and I, I typically don't like to do this. And I want to clear up some stuff that I put into my, my feature yesterday after the game. I am never one to scapegoat the officials unless it's like something completely egregious. And when I'm talking about the officials in this, in this game, I think it robbed both fans and those teams uh, of a desirable result in that game in that third quarter, because I think the nuggets are off to the races in a, in a big finish and, uh, (laughs) or, or Portland can try to crawl back in this. We don't get to see any of that because there's a whistle every 30 seconds in that third quarter. So when I talk about the officials, what I, what I'm saying is, they should not be the focus of that game, and they definitely were in this matchup. I think a little bit in their defense. It was an extremely chippy game, like off from the opening tip. I think maybe they were trying to get control of the game a little bit. Um, when I, I really don't see Portland and Denver as two teams that are going to get an all brawl or anything, but I think they were just kind of trying to put a lid on some of the behavior, some of the. And I don't know how much they shoot on TV, but there was a lot of giant. I mean, mm-hmm. timeouts, they'd split, and it was almost every time. And so I think that they were – I think their intent wasn't necessarily as bad as the outcome, if that makes sense. But they definitely needed to pop the whistles, man. They're yeah. far too many fouls. <laughs> so, made for a not, not a very pleasurable viewing experience at times, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and, and that's – I mean, I tweeted after the game. That, that second half was eight hours of everyone's life that we're never getting back. That's what it felt like. Yeah. I mean, it was just, that's not what fans want to see. That's not what either team wants to see. And and I think the, there were bad calls both ways. And when I say bad calls, I would just say they're not consistent. Like I think every call in a realm of a normal game, you could justify, but each game is different. Each flow is different. Each official calls a game a little bit differently night to night. There's an interpretation to that. I understand that it's not a complete perfect science, but when you are not consistent and you take control of the game, it, it ruins the product. And, and then as a Blazers fan, not only that, but now you're just like, you know, you're just pulling the bandaid off as slow as possible in a blowout and it's just miserable. But. And I didn't always have the best viewpoint on a couple of these. I was on the baseline kind of near, Portland's bench, sort of that corner, that viewpoint. Mm-hmm. But like some of those uh flagrants just seemed it's like, come on, it's yeah. playoff basketball. Guys are playing hard. There's gonna be some emotions up. I call the foul if it's yeah. a foul, but some of the flagrants just seemed a little excessive too. So yeah, I want let's just dive right into it then. I think the one that people are talking about, the one that CJ McCollum talked about after the game saying I look forward to challenging this and getting my money back is this inbounds play where it's like him and Compazzo like get into this very light tussle and then Compazzo just launches himself onto the ground damn near rolls up on Jokic's ankle which would have been 
karma on a whole different level in that play. I mean, you don't want to see the, a, a serious injury, but like, come on, man. Yeah. What What did you see? What is What is Denver doing to get into Portland's head in that second game? Because I definitely I think that was out, outside of just very stagnant offense. I think that was one of the big underlying key points of that game. What What have you seen? Who's doing it the best for Denver? And, and some of those role players that we might have overlooked when we were coming into this, previewing the series, who are some of the guys that have stood out for you for Denver that kind of have you worried for the rest of the series? You know, Monty Morris has been a guy that's been kind of low key uh, playing really well. I think he shot five for 10 in the first two games, but he was super aggressive in that second game. I mean, I think he was one of the guys right before halftime, him and a well, RHJ were having a little discussion, um, but he's been a guy who really came out played well was and was not backing down from anybody and I I was pretty surprised at how aggressive they just came out in general it seemed like it really was a whole team mindset but if I had to focus on one guy I think Morris really made an impact as uh, coming off the bench at the one for those guys yeah I I think Morris has been consistently I mean he even had flashes in game one I mean obviously not the same type of performance but kind of going oh hey this guy should probably be playing more than Austin Rivers like, I remember thinking that a few times. And then, obviously, you have this throwback game, which I want to get into the second part of this. Paul Millsap absolutely was a backbreaker last night. Yeah, that's a really good one, too. And, and we didn't really see it in the first game. Jamichael Green was the guy I was more worried about going into the series, and it turns out, you know, it, it is Paul Millsap that is that guy right now. But I really think it plays into, and I I don't know, this is turning into a reoccurring segment of where Steve was wrong and Brian was right, who was Ennis Cantor has been pretty terrible in this series so far. Like it has been, he's been a massive liability. He hasn't been able to control the glass like I thought he would, even when he's facing the second unit. So it's been a huge issue. What have you seen from Cantor and, and Outside of Cantor as well, what have you seen in game two that is the rebounding problem? Because that's something that just kills me with these this Blazers team is they're not great defensively, and you absolutely cannot give up second-chance points. Right. What's, what's going on there? What are you seeing? And I think where you were sitting that baseline view, I think, is the best seat in the house when you're watching those type of matchups. This week has tons of sports action as the MLB, NBA, and NHL are in full swing. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. For the next pitch, three-pointer, slap shot, or spinning, back fist, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sports news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get out there, put some money on these games. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet online, your online sports experts. You work hard and you play hard. So treat yourself and stack up for summer barbecues with Kansas City Steak Company. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD at checkout. From classic steak cuts to USDA Prime, American style Kobe, hard to find specialty cuts and more. 
Kansas City Steaks has you covered. Has everything you need to fire up the grill this spring and summer. Seriously, don't be the guy who has just a weak-ass package of weenies when you, everybody shows up to your house to barbecue. And Kansas City Steaks makes it easy not to be that guy. So each order from Kansas City Steaks is flash frozen so you know it's going to taste good when you get it out of your freezer and it's delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Imagine just relaxing in the backyard, playing some cornhole. Everybody's enjoying steakhouse quality meals from Kansas City Steaks. Try their butter tender filet mignon, Kansas City strips, juicy steak burgers, all beef jumbo hot dogs, and even complete meal combos. Bring the steakhouse to your house this summer with Kansas City Steaks. Go to KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with the code SD at checkout. One more time, that's KansasCitySteaks.com and our listeners can use promo code SD for 10% off. That's KansasCitySteaks.com code SD. Put some meat on the grill. Yeah. Um, Guys like Millsad, I mean, he's been doing a long time. He's just a dog down there. It seems like they've been really active where Portland's kind of just been rebounding in space, like in their spot. Seemed like that last game in particular, Denver's guys have been going out and chasing those things. And, and it just seemed like it was just a whole attitude of, from talking shit between plays <laughs> to to just hitting the boards harder. I mean, some of that stuff kind of does go hand in hand. You know, it seemed like they were on every loose ball, stuff like that. And something that, you know, I thought about after game one was, and that was a pretty sound win for Portland, but this is a Denver team that came down 3-1 against Kawhi Leonard. These guys are tough. I mean, they're not going away easy, even with Murray out, but that's a tough, mentally strong team with a coach that I think he, he likes. I mean, he expects that out of his guys, where Stotts is much more calm, cool, collected, you know. I think Mike Malone gets pretty fired up. Hey, and, and I, it's Michael. Michael Malone. Oh, yeah, Malone. that's right. No, I, 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 did that, I, did, I did that on purpose. Mike Malone. <laughs> 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 but you know what I mean? I think they embody his attitude a little bit. And um, that was kind of a roundabout way of saying, I think, that when it comes to the boards, that that it came down to an attitude thing. And, and mm-hmm. I kind of thought that, that would, Cantor would – play better than he has but he's one of several blazers who haven't really showed up this series yet i i think the attitude thing is important because i think two aspects that killed killed the blazers in, in that matchup well granted they are tied they were tied in offensive rebounds last night but i think denver's came at more crucial points and i think an offensive rebound for denver is is a much more damaging thing than it is when the blazers are getting them yeah um, and, and you know i think at some point and you might need to fact check me on this one but i swear i looked up and they had the you know second chance points and it was like late in the third quarter i believe and portland had none and i was mm-hmm. like you know when you have Nurkic and canter when you're rolling out two traditional fives that's unacceptable you you mm-hmm. have to that has to be part of the if you're going to give up some on the perimeter and blow buys and stuff you have to get that back or at least kind of minimize that damage and get that back on the offensive boards and when you don't do that, it's just really tough. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of the, one of those things where you're talking about when you're playing your traditional center, some of the best plays you're going to draw up for that guy is a missed shot. Like, mm-hmm. and when you're not – you don't have that in your bag, it's a totally different game, especially when you're playing those guys. Outside of the rebounding thing, like I said, though, was the attitude, hustle thing. It, 
shows in the turnovers and and the Blazers yes they were dribbling into some some well-placed traps that Denver put out that they did not have in game one but also it's you got travels that that were getting called. You got you just passes that are sailing over guys. Just mental mistakes that play into something that we touched on at the very beginning of this podcast is this looked like a team that was focused on, hey, we got one game in Denver. Let's mm-hmm. get back to Portland. Um twenty turnovers last night. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it, and just, that's a two. That's a two-game total for Portland. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, when they're clicking, it's a th- it's three games. I mean, it, it's it's just, and that's why I'm not like I definitely game two did not leave a good feeling for me in my good taste in my mouth. But I do think there's avenues for obvious avenues for improvement. And I think mm-hmm. what has been so confusing about the first two games of this series, where we see these highs and lows, is everybody knew this was going to be seven games. But when you say this is going to be a seven game series on paper, you expect in your mind, like your mind tells you, your brain tells you, Hey, this is going to be close games every night. What you have to remember is these are two teams with bad defenses for the most part and really good offenses. So you're going to have games that look like this Mm -hmm. and they're going to alternate. And we're still probably going to get to six, seven games in this series. So I think that was an adjustment for Blazers fans because there was a lot of people talking, you know, potential sweep, no. you know, gentleman <laughs> sweep after the first game. And I'm like, you, you guys got to con- – you're setting yourself up for disappointment here. Yeah. Well, I'll be curious to see if – I mean, in that first game, Portland took care of the ball. They hit half their threes and had a 14-point advantage at the line. That's probably not totally replicable. I mean, you know, maybe a game or two if you're – like, but I don't think that's the standard. I don't think game two is the standard either for Denver. I think this series, there's going to be, you know, probably another double digit win, but I just see the kind of the very, we're going to end up somewhere in the middle for both teams, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be tighter from here on out. Um, I am curious to see though, what fans in the arena does for mm-hmm. Portland. Yeah. And Portland's upped its capacity. I, I'll, be attending my first game since February of last year um, on Saturday. And I'll, I'll be very interested to see what, what it's going to be like in there. I think I can't, I think they've tripled the capacity compared to how they finished the season. I, I awesome. don't know the rough number yet, um, but they are, they're offering fully vaccinated sections and then your typical socially distanced sections for people who are not, I believe is how it's set up. Mm-hmm. Um Outside of the fans, and I think I think coming back to Portland is going to be a significant boost, obviously. Um, Norman Powell has been textbook up and down in this series. Very slow starts in the first half of both games. Has not got his outside shot going. In the series combined, he's one for seven from distance. Mm-hmm. But what is encouraging is I don't think he doesn't have the same DNA that some of these other role players have had that Portland has had in these postseason series where I think he knows when it's not going well, one, he's going to not stop shooting. He's going to work through it. And two, he's going to get downhill. And we kind of saw that last night. And I think in a different setting where, where there's an actual game flow and there's not a whistle every 30 seconds, I think we see him find his rhythm. What are you? What have you seen from Norman Powell so far, and what do you expect him to do 
kind of as this series kind of hits its stride as we move into games, you know, three, four, five. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't seen a lot from Norman Powell, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, especially the level of play he showed um, during that kind of last good stretch of basketball Portland played in the regular season. I think all of our expectations are much higher. Um, he needs to continue to get downhill. He's a guy that can't just sell for threes. You know, he's such a well-rounded offensive player and really defensive player that he needs to continue to stay um, impactful and productive, even if one part of his game isn't clicking. And I think he'll get there. He was extremely frustrated last night. There was a, he came out in the second quarter, I believe, and was, I mean, I could hear F-bombs from, from my (laughs) section. And I mean, it was very clear that he wasn't happy. And I, I think with his championship pedigree and just, you know, everything that we know about him as a player, I think he'll come around and, and have some good performances. I think it was um, a cause for optimism that first game that, you know, Powell didn't play well. Portland still won by double digits. Um, so I think that if he can kind of turn around and become mm-hmm. a little closer to where he was towards the, end of the regular season, it, that's going to really well, look, he's going to have for Portland. He's going to have to. Like, if, if the Nuggets, which – it certainly sounds like it. They're going to make this Aaron Gordon on Damian Lillard thing a regular feature for the rest of the series. Yeah. So at that point, Michael Porter Jr. is going to be guarding either Robert Covington or Norman Powell. Those guys have to do something offensively. And Norman Powell, if that's going to be the matchup, he is going to, one, have to, if it's, if it's Composo on him, he's going to have to get downhill. And he has that, those tricks in his bag a little, you know, at the same level as Lillard as far as being able to post guys up and, you know, establish his dominance over guards. If it's Michael Porter Jr., he's going to have to get that outside shot going and be that triple threat and really be able to attack those closeouts because that's something – that's not Michael Porter Jr.'s strong, strong point. He is not good on off-ball defense and he struggles with some of those closeouts, just some of the stuff that comes around mm-hmm. for some of these wings. I think we'll really see some more with Gordon being up Dame. I think we'll probably see some more dumps to Nurk mm-hmm. than that dribble handoff with Powell coming, just screaming off the wing with his right hand going to the hoop. And he has to do that if his, especially if his shot's not falling. Yeah. I, I, and then just to, to circle in Robert Covington, I think I, I was looking at the box score last night as I, I'm watching. I don't think he had a shot attempt until either late in the, sec, in, in the second quarter or, or maybe the, his first shot attempt came in the third quarter. I, I'm not asking to run your offense through Robert Covington, but you got to at least make Denver do something out there. And then if you're not going to have Robert Covington – be a focal or or be a floor stretcher or a floor spacer you need to have him to get rebounds he finished last night with one rebound yep. like you just can't you can't do that like yes robert covington is generates steals underneath and, and he does a lot of things to shift momentum in these games but you get you got to do something else you got you got to bring something. You got to like like we talk about with CJ McCollum all the time. What is CJ McCollum doing when he's not scoring points? What's Robert Covington doing when he's not chopping the ball out and poking the ball free? Like you got you got to yeah. do a little something extra. So yeah, and his his ability to hit breaks or hit threes above the break all year is so critical. You know where they mm. kick to the corner and then 
rotate the ball to the top and Covington is sticking those. And I think he's got to get back to being a threat from up top for sure. Mm-hmm. It's tough to ask for too much. Well, I think it speaks a little bit to Jokic's impact on the boards mm-hmm. and, and his passing ability. Cause you can't expect Roko to really crash offensively because if he's not getting back, who is, you know? And yeah. So, but you, you would like to see him be a little more aggressive on the defensive glass for sure. So I kind of want to wrap it up when we're talking about individual players. What What's your panic level for Yusuf Nurkic in this series? Because last night was horrific. Like it was a perfect mm-hmm. storm of Denver doing the exact right things as far as putting Jokic right in the heart of Portland's defense. And, and then when Nurk comes up to deny the ball, they're, they're running backdoor cuts right around him and guys are getting around him and turning the corner on him. And then it compounds with, with him fouling out with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. So how does Nurkic get back on track? And do you think he can in this matchup? And what would that look like to you? Yeah, for me a little bit, I think that second game, some of that is a throwaway to me. It just felt like every single thing that could go wrong for Portland kind of was, and you could feel it in the building. And to me, Nurkic is a little bit of a fair weather guy. I think mm-hmm. that if Dame and CJ rolling, Nurk is a lot more likely to have a good game. Mm-hmm. Um, you could argue cause and effect there a little bit, but yeah. I, I kind of think that if things are going well, Nurk's a little, you understand what I'm saying? Oh that. yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, feel- I think, we've talked about this over and over again. I mean, he is the the third piece. He is that other pillar that the everything is working totally different. Now, is it working because it was working and then Nurkic got added in or is it working because Nurkic, you know, facilitated yeah. it? But yeah, I totally, I, I completely to, agree. To me with everything just kind of going wrong in that game, it felt like, um, it just, it just felt like a little bit of that might've been a throwaway. And then, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a little bit more of a normal game, at home i could see a good opportunity for him to come back and kind of reestablish himself and i think i don't, I don't want to read too much into that last game just with how kind of weird it was and and mm-hmm. and how off portland was in general so we're two games in i i think we basically i don't i i think game two was not the result we both wanted obviously but i don't think either of us are on the super panic boat yet no. um how do you feel where now compared to where you entered the series and what do you kind of expect to see in these two home games before we'll, we'll probably talk to everybody again on our next podcast. Yeah. I'm just at a high level. Again, they went down there, they got one. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. Really. We should celebrate that a little bit. They got home court back. It's for split now. And so you can't say that trip wasn't was a failure by any means, but there are definitely some some uh, reasons for concern. For me, the biggest one is just the size advantage. Mm-hmm. It's a little tough to completely scheme around that, right? When they just have so much more size, especially at that three position, and it kind of makes you question Powell's long term <laughs> fit a little bit, <laughs> especially with you know the Powell thing's complicated. So you got Aaron Gordon out there who's mm-hmm. making a huge impact, playing well, and then Powell just this is one of those series where his size or height, lack of height mm-hmm. against the threes lined up across what it makes you wonder about the fit, but mm-hmm. going forward, I think that we'll see a little bit 
more of a split between the first two games. I think Portland's offense is going to get rolling a little bit. I think Denver's size is going to continue to be a problem. Mm-hmm. If I had to make a prediction, I think they're going to split the next two home games. Um, obviously, I'm hoping that they go yeah. back to Portland, get the motor rocking, and just kick the shit out of the Nuggets both times. But Well, I don't know if we really want to see the Nuggets – down in a 3-1 series i mean (laughs) so i yeah history shows that that's not always a great easy proposition um what are you what are you seeing or what i i foresee taking place in the next couple games here like you said i think the rebounding issues if it was just a game one thing i was just going to kind of brush it off but that's been there in wins and losses now so far in this series and i think when you aren't controlling second chance points and really dictating the pace that way it opens up pandora's box for this blazers team where you open the door for transition when you're not getting offensive boards yourself Mm -hmm. and you're giving up second chance points when your defense already struggles to string together multiple stops so i think i think that is my biggest concern i think they're going to figure out how to keep Nurkic out of the paint or Nurkic. I think they're going to figure out how to get Nurkic in position to, to kind of put Jokic in an awkward position, keep him out of the center of that defense, more like we saw in game one. I think they will find a way to do that. I do think we are approaching pull the plug on Cantor's minutes. I, I think that's coming. I, I think, Mello could probably play a little small ball five. I think Derek Jones Jr. looked competent in his yeah. in his appearance five minutes, but I mean, still looked like he was ready to play. So I'd be interested to see if they are going to pull the plug on that if he does have another ineffective game. That said, I still feel the same way I felt coming into this series, and I I think this game this series is going to go six or seven games. Yep. I think the Blazers, I, I can see them easily splitting two here. I think they're going to come out in game three and not fool around. They're going to get a couple days rest. I think Norman Powell is going to get on the right foot, at least offensively. I think some of his defensive issues as far as dealing with that height, like you said, aren't going to go away. Mm-hmm. I think his outside shot's going to fall. I think Damian Lillard, everything he's done is – he can repeat that. Maybe not like that second quarter, but I think what he's doing – he's going to be able to produce at that level. And I think they're going to game plan for what an Aaron Gordon look looks like and what, you know, uh Compazzo Monte Morris setup looks like. I think they're, he's going to game plan accordingly for that. And I still think we're going to get a signature game out of CJ McCollum at some point. So I was, I was literally just about to say that I think that there's a MPJ points explosion on the way, which yeah. might swing a game. Um, even that, First game, you know, he had 25, but went one for 10 from three. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to have, you know, a 35, 40 point game here that might swing it. But I also think CJ's due for an explosion himself. I mean, yeah. Denver Nuggets fans remember CJ McCollum very well. <laughs> yep. And I think, yep. I think he's due for a little comeback. And I, I got a little hot take for you before we get oh, out of here. Oh, you go ahead. Of, you kind of mentioned the canter issues and, play mellow at the five which like gives me a facial tick a little bit just thinking about it but <laughs> right it's, this is weird but i think this team misses zach collins right now oh and my god having a mobile five somebody just throw a little different look at Jokic. 
I think would be a boon in this series. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, I watched, I went to a preseason game. I believe I covered that one for Blazers edge since it wasn't on TV or something, but you know, Zach played Jokic pretty well. Granted, it's a long time ago, but Mm -hmm. just having a guy who's a little more mobile, a little spring, you can, you know, move his feet and play vertical and just kind of give him a different look might do just a little bit to kind of slow him down. Oh yeah. Um, brings more defense and mellow, but can still be utilized in like a five out lineup. And it kind of reminds you like, who knows if he ever gets healthy, but kind of get why they drafted the guy. I think he'd just be a nice, like cog to be able to throw in that front court rotation. And it sucks that we're literally sitting here going, well, shit, you know, Cantor might not be able to play or isn't being effective. Where do we go from here? And it's like, are we going to see Mello, RHJ? Yeah. So Roko yeah. with the five. And you're going to get beat up on the boards probably either way. But And that's where I worry about RHJ is like, I, I think in a little bit different setup, I'm all for it, bringing him in. But just how they've been getting torched on the on the boards, I don't know if you can play him in this series. And that's why I'm, I, that's why I worry about Mello at the five. Mm-hmm. You know? Mello can Mello rebound though. That guy, that guy doesn't, he, I, for as much as I point out his flaws, I, rebounding is not one of them for him. Granted, he's going to face an uphill battle, but I almost yeah. trust him more. And, and Lord knows he's seen a few shots clang off the rim in his career. So, <laughs> so he has a pretty good idea. That said, I, I think we're going to wrap it up. I'm hoping that the next time you hear from us, we're going to be a little more cheerful. I will say that we are feeling the love on this show. We, we've gotten a lot of support recently and, you know, we notice that we see those reviews. We appreciate every single one of them. So if you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review. Um, You know, we're working hard to, to always create a podcast and we would like to listen to ourselves and not get too preachy and not too far up our own asses. So we appreciate each and every one of you, Brian, you got anything before we head out? No, I think we, you know, might have been a little sour tone than <laughs> yep. it should be. Uh, don't forget, it's one one, mm-hmm. and uh, it could go either way. So appreciate you guys popping in, and listening to us, and thank you. All right, thanks everybody. Remember, a lot to be optimistic about as this thing comes back to the Moto Center. So be kind to one another. Enjoy the weekend. Let's watch some basketball in the Moto Center. Let's get that place rocking. Let's go. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod, and be sure to check out our live show on Locker Room every Saturday bright and early at 8 a.m. Pacific.